Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Well, good morning. Good morning. I have the opportunity this morning to be sharing the word. And I wanted to start with this scripture. Revelation 19.1 says this. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We just thank you for the opportunity to worship together and together. Jesus, we just thank you for your presence being in this place. Um, we thank you for your presence going before us and coming behind us. And Father, I pray that this morning as your word is shared, that it would not just be information, but that it would be revelation that leads to transformation in the only way that it can by the power of your Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So we are in a series right now called The Time Is Now. And in the last couple of weeks, we've heard about the urgency of intentionality. We've heard about the urgency of generosity. And this morning, I'm going to continue the message series with a title called, Alleluia, the time is now to praise the Lord. So growing up would often find me in Sandwich, Illinois. It's a little town of about 7,000 people. And the reason that I would be there is it's where my mom grew up. It's where my grandma lived. And Sunday afternoons in Sandwich were awesome because it usually meant Jean's Pizza and it generally meant that the Packers and the Bears would be tossing around a football with the Packers always winning. <laughs> and so that was awesome. But Sunday mornings we would spend at Grandma's Church. And Grandma's Church is called the Federated Church and maybe you haven't heard of that denomination before. The reason why is because the town was so small and then the churches in the town were so small that the Baptists and the Presbyterians said, you know what, let's get together, let's join forces, and we can meet together in one building. And so they started doing that. And so when we would go to visit the church, the kids would start with the adults and then they would shuffle us down into the basement. And generally, when we got to the basement, it would be partitioned off. They would have those walls that you can kind of just put up temporarily. They would partition off our classrooms. But one Sunday when we got there, we got down into the basement, and it was set up pretty much like this. So we had a bunch of chairs on this side, a bunch of chairs on that side, and then there was the aisle down the middle. And they said, this morning, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to teach you a song, and then we're going to sing that song. And so we spent the morning with them teaching us, praise ye the Lord, alleluia. You guys, I'm seeing some nods, so you guys know this song, right? Alleluia, 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 praise ye the Lord. Yes, so we sang that song, and I absolutely loved it. As kids, though, we, we got to jump up, and they would say, okay, jump up when it's your turn to sing, because it would have one side sing, and then the other side, and they said, when it's done, when your side is done, you need to move and sit down really fast, because the other side is going to start singing, and they're going to get up. So we're going to sing that this morning, <laughs> but we are not going to be jumping up. So we're going to kind of do the adult version, which is the stay in your seats, okay? So this side, you guys are going to be the Alleluia's, and this side is the Praise Ye the Lords. If you don't know it, just look at the people around you like they're crazy, 
okay? So this side. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Oh my goodness, that makes me so happy. When I was doing this at home, I was like, okay, and then I'm going to have them sing, and it's going to be so awesome, it's going to be great. And I did not think about the fact that I would be the one wearing the microphone. <laughs> so thank you for helping me with that. But the thing is, hallelujah literally means praise the Lord. And so what we just did there is we said, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. It was an outcry on repeat of our gratitude and worship. And the thing is, growing up, it's one of the best times I remember having in church. I'm sure we did other things on that morning because now as an adult, I, I can't imagine the entire service being just that song. But that's what I remember. And I think one of the reasons it was such a great time for me is because when we shout our thanks to God, it shifts things in us. It has the power to shift our world. The word says this. It says this in Psalm 22.3. God inhabits the praises of his people. So when we praise him, he is there in that space. When we just sang that song, he comes into that space. He inhabits the praises of his people. And it's one thing for us to do that together when we gather as a church. But there is absolutely nothing that stops us from taking that praise outside of these doors when we go. We can live lives that praise the Lord. But what does that look like? You know, practically speaking, what does that mean? Gratitude. We praise God in our gratitude. Psalm 50 verse 14 says, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. We live in a culture that covets and chases comfort. And sacrifice is the antithesis of comfort because it requires us to give something that is precious to us away. Yet here, the word of God is telling us that thankfulness is our sacrifice. Some of you may be thinking, man, this is kind of an ill-timed message. Like, did she not get the memo that Thanksgiving was three weeks ago? And I understand that. But the thing is, we are meant to live lives that have a posture of gratitude in all things and at all times. It is meant to be the continual posture of our heart. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 3 says this, but understand this. That in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good. We tend to think that not giving thanks is just a neutral place to land. But here being ungrateful is actually listed with a whole bunch of things that I don't ever want to be. I don't ever want to be on that list. And I want us all to avoid being found anywhere on that list. 
So the word gratitude is actually derived from the Latin word gratia or gratis. And it's the same root word as the word grace. And we know that grace is unmerited favor. And so sometimes I don't feel like being grateful for things. But when I think of the unmerited favor, the grace that God has shown me, I can say, oh my goodness, you know what? Wow, I have needed so much grace. And I can say unmerited favor to me and unmerited favor through me. It becomes so much easier to be grateful when we recognize it as grace. And the thing is, in extending that grace, in extending gratitude, that's something that we choose. We choose best, though, when we've created a habit of already being thankful, right? Because if we aren't thankful for what we have, it's very unlikely that we'll be thankful for what we get. And the opposite is true. If we are thankful for what we have, it's very likely that we'll be thankful for what we get. Now, one of the roadblocks, one of the roadblocks to gratitude is comparison. It is the easiest way to ruin anything, compare it. And our world idolizes comparison. Do you want to make money? I will tell every single one of you how to make money. All you have to do is find a way for someone to compare themselves to anything else, and you'll make a killing. Instagram, Pinterest, TikTok, whatever it is, find a way for them to compare themselves and you'll do just fine. And here's the thing. You want to ruin your marriage? You want to ruin your your kids, your home, your career? Start comparing them. To us, it can seem like society thrives off of this because we see people flocking to comparison in droves like it's oxygen. But really, the truth is, Isaiah 30, 15 says, only in returning to me, this is God, and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength, but you would have none of it. We live in a world that wants none of it. We are no longer trying to keep up with the Joneses. We're trying to lap them. But here's the thing. The opposite is also true. You want to build your marriage? You want to build your kids, your career, your home, your plans? Start being grateful. Right now. Even before you feel it. That's a big one. In Ezra, the Israelites were rebuilding the temple. And this is the account that's given. It says, all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord. Because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. And then it says two verses later, the people shouted with a great shout and the sound was heard far away. Did you guys catch that? It doesn't say, and then the temple was completed and they gave a great shout and they praised the Lord. It literally says, and they shouted when the foundation was laid. Generally, when I talk to people who are building houses and all that's done is the foundation, they're grumbling. Right? It's like, oh, the foundation. Now we just got to do this. And we got to get things moving. We got to get things. But here's the thing. The Israelites are in the middle of a million things going on in their life. The foundation is laid and they are so loud that they can be heard far away. I do not know what you are walking through today. 
I don't know what your marriage looks like. I don't know what your plans for the future look like. I don't know what you are petitioning God for in prayer and where you are, but I can tell you there is already a foundation. And so we can start today giving thanks and praising God. So we choose gratitude, and in doing so, we put comparison to death, and we are loud about it. And we choose gratitude because we know that first we form our habits, and then our habits form us. So I'm not really a thank you card person. You know, I'll get a thank you card, and I'll open it, and I'll say, oh, gee, that was really nice, and then that's that. But when we went to launch the church, I have a friend who consistently writes thank you cards, and they're really, they're of value to her. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to do that. Because if I don't do it, then, you know, people just like getting it. And so I'm going to be really nice to, to people who are giving and, and giving of their time and their energy. And I'm going to start writing thank you cards and be a really nice person, right? And so I start writing these thank you cards. And people appreciate it. But what I found is that as I was writing the cards, something shifted in me. Something shifted in me because I found myself more and more in a posture of gratitude because it was what I was forcing myself to think on. I was forming a habit of that. And here's the deal. The science actually confirms that we have this habit-forming ability. So we hear neurons that fire together, wire together. That's because when we choose behaviors, we can hardwire our brain to do the same thing again and again. So one of the things that we love to do, which you guys probably haven't picked up on, is we love to mountain bike. <laughs> and when we mountain bike, we don't just grab our bike and take it out to the middle of some woods somewhere and put it down and start biking, because that would be crazy. There are brambles, there are thistles, there are trees and roots and rocks and mud and dirt and stuff all over the place. What we do is first we have to forge a trail. Well, when you forge a trail, it's actually pretty difficult the first time you try to make, you try, you try to get down the trail. When we went, I, I had this opportunity of building a trail with um, some people locally. And when we went into the woods to build the trail, we had rakes and shovels and those stamp pound ground things. I don't even know what they're called. Tampers or a ground pounder. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. <laughs> Anyhow, we had all sorts of stuff with us, clippers and pruners. And, and we went out there, this whole team of us, and we spent a long time paving, or not paving, but making this trail through the woods. And now three years later, when we come through that section, you can fly through that section because it's wide and it's pounded down and it has been traveled so many times. It's easier to travel it. And our brain does the same thing. If something happens and we choose gratitude, even though it's hard the first time, it becomes easier and easier. And the synapses in our brain start moving together. And the, the distance that your attitude, that your decision has to jump becomes less and less until it becomes so much more automatic. We choose gratitude. We build a habit of it. Now, acting on gratitude does quite a few different things, and I'm going to try to get to all of them. The very first thing is it magnifies God. Psalm 69, verse 30 says, I will magnify God with thanksgiving. Anybody ever look at a bug under a magnifying glass? Yeah, right? 
Now, when you're a kid and you do that, what do you say? You say, oh, the bug got bigger, right? But when we, when we become adults, we realize that when I look at a bug under a magnifying glass, the bug doesn't get bigger. It doesn't get bigger at all. It magnifies it. I just get to see what the bug already is closer. I get to see it more clearly. And the word of God tells us that thanksgiving magnifies God. We don't change him. We don't manipulate him. He doesn't alter. But what it does is it allows us to see his character. It allows us to see his goodness. We see it more clearly and we see it closer. Ephesians 4, 6 says this. It says, one God and Father of all. God is one God and Father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. If he's in all, over all, through all, then let's look for him and let's look to magnify him in the places we want to see him move. You want to see God move in your marriage? Magnify him with thanksgiving. You want to see him move in your trials? Magnify him with thanksgiving. You want to see him move in your future or in your career? Magnify him with thanksgiving. You want to see him move in your kids? Magnify him with thanksgiving. Another thing that acting on gratitude does is it deals a nasty blow to Satan. Psalm 8 verse 2 says this. It says, through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Now, a stronghold is a place that has been fortified to protect it against attack. And this scripture has a couple of implications that I want to talk to you guys about. The very first thing is it's saying that through the praise of infants and children, there is no junior Holy Spirit. Our kids have the ability to silence the avenger and the foe when we teach them praise and thanksgiving. The second thing is we are all God's kids if Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And so we have that power. So the depression, the addiction, the illness, the issues have to go. The enemy has to be silenced in our praise and thanksgiving. And the, the thing I really want to highlight here is that often if people are new to the faith, if they are younger Christians, they think, you know what? When I meet with my friends who have been Christians for a long time, they have a Bible verse for everything. And they know how to address the situation in a godly manner because they have the tools. And I run up against things in my life and I just don't have the ability. I don't, I don't know yet. And here's the thing. Knowing the word of God, that's important. That's important. But when I look at this scripture, what I see is even if you are an infant or a child in the faith, God has not left you out to dry. There is protection for you, and that is found in praise and thanksgiving. You can silence the enemy with praise and thanksgiving, even if you don't know every scripture. You have a place to start. So our gratitude protects us against attack. And then we tend to see gratitude as passive, but it couldn't be more powerful. If even those who are perceived as the weakest and those who are the smallest are able to take down the enemy with this, then it's a pretty powerful thing. 
Gratitude also helps keep us healthy. That was a lot of s-s-s-s in that one. First service, I kind of just tripped over it. So studies have been done over and over about gratitude. And the typical study goes something like this. I actually got sick of looking them up because people do them over and over. But it goes something like this. They get a group of people, big group, and they say, okay, this, this group, we want you guys to journal for 10 weeks, 10 minutes a day about just anything, just 10 minutes a day. And then this group, we want you guys to journal for 10 weeks, 10 minutes a day about something that aggravated you, like something that bothered you during the day. And then the last group, they say, we want you to journal about something you're thanking God for, 10 minutes a day for 10 weeks. Across the board, across the board, after the 10 weeks, those who journaled about gratitude were more optimistic, felt better about their lives, they exercised more, they ate better, and they went to the doctor less. And that was in comparison not just to the group who journaled about aggravation, but to the neutral group as well. Gratitude helps keep us healthy. Dan Baker said in his book, What Happy People Know, he said, science has discovered, always fun, that our brains cannot be in a state of anxiety and gratitude at the same time. Because both of those things originate in a part of the brain called the amygdala. And so our brains can swap pretty fast between those two states, but we cannot be in an active state of appreciation and gratitude and anxiety at the same time. I just love when science confirms or discovers something that the Word of God said so long ago. Because you have, you have Philippians 4, 6 in the word of God that says this. It says, do not be anxious for anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Gratitude magnifies God. It protects us against attack. It keeps us healthy. But one of the greatest things that gratitude does is it makes us like Jesus. Every single thing that we choose to do or not do influences our spiritual formation. And as disciples, what our motivation should be is our motivation should be to look and walk more like Jesus with every single step. And Jesus lived in thankfulness to God. He set the example of publicly thanking God for the benefit of the people that were around him because he wanted them to learn to be grateful. He knew the power of gratitude. Listen to this, John eleven forty one to 42. Jesus says this, the stone was rolled aside and Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here. Speaking our gratitude out loud helps those around us learn the way of Jesus. When we model something, those who watch us most closely are learning a way of life. And I want people that are watching me to learn the way of Jesus. I want people that are watching you to learn the way of Jesus. Paul said this, he said, follow my example as I follow Christ. And then Hebrews says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. The people that I see living the best lives are those who are living lives 
full of gratitude. And I think that is because giving thanks puts us at the center of God's will. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now I want you to notice right there it says in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. There's a difference. But this one can be kind of funny, this give thanks in all circumstances. Um, when the habit's been formed, it can, it can kind of be humorous. So about a decade ago, Samuel and I were playing a, a game with some friends, and there were four of us sitting at the table, and I lost. Um, but the game continued for everybody else. It was kind of like a last man standing type game. And so I lost the game, and I got up, and I just said, oh, thank you. This is perfect timing because now I can do the dishes while you guys finish up, and I won't have to do the dishes later. And Samuel just looked at me. He's like, no. He's like, you lost. It's aggravating. And I was like, well, no, it's really perfect, and thank you. Like, now I can do the dishes. And so then we had Avery, and she was a couple of years old, and she was probably four, five, six, and we got into that place where we started giving her gum to try it, you know, but she had to be responsible with it. So we're in the car. We give her gum. Um, and she's sitting in the back, and the gum keeps coming out of her mouth and back in and out and back on. She's putting it against the window and then back in her mouth. And so we said, Avery, um, if you keep doing that with your gum, if you take it out of your mouth again, you're going to lose it. We're going we're gonna to take it from you. And so sure enough, about a minute later, here it's stretching out, and it's on the window. And so we said, you got to you got to give us back the gum. And so then you do that inside the car, that ninja trick where you're like reaching really far back and they're reaching really far up trying to hand you the gum. And as she hands it to us, I grab it and I'm throwing it away and she just says so sweetly, thank you. She said, you know, the, all the flavor was gone and I was chewing it, but I didn't really know what to do with it. And so it was really just perfect timing and thank you for taking that. <laughs> so Samuel just leans over to me in the car and he goes, you deserve that. <laughs> and it, it's true. But here's the thing. That's a funny example of giving thanks in all circumstances. But the word of God really does mean give thanks in all circumstances. You know, at the Last Supper, Jesus was with his disciples and he took the bread and he broke it and he took the cup of wine and he poured it out. And he knew that this was going to be the representation of his sacrifice. This was going to be the representation of his crucifixion, him offering up his life for each of the people present there and every person for eternity. And yet what did he do when he broke the bread? What did he do when he poured out the wine? He gave thanks. He gave thanks. We are to give thanks in all circumstances. Now, you know, when you show up at church in the morning, you come in, you get your coffee, and then we come in to worship. And we've had people say, like, well, why do we start with worship? Why don't we switch it up? You know, should we start with the message and, and then maybe do worship at the end? And it's not that we'll never do that, but we have a purpose for the way we set up the order of the church service. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. We want to come to God first and foremost, entering his gates with thanksgiving. And then like we read earlier, God inhabits the praises of his people. 
And so when we want God to be in our space, we go to him first with praise and thanksgiving because we want him there. So we go to God in prayer with thanksgiving in all things, and we praise him as he said he would inhabit those praises. This leaves a lot of room for growth in the area of gratitude for each one of us. If I'm to praise God in all things, at all times, then each one of us has the ability to grow in gratitude. Now, earlier I was talking about the studies that are done over and over about gratitude. And what they, what they highlighted is journaling. And I'm not much of a journaler, but something that's really helpful in growing in our gratitude to God is each day writing down three things you're thankful to God for. I would just set an alarm in my phone. And, and if you're a journaler, that might be five pages, ten pages. If you're not, it could literally just say, Samuel, my kids, our church body. And just continually reminding yourself, keeping yourself in a posture of gratitude. And then the thing is, share that with somebody. Because gratefulness is contagious. If somebody says thank you to me, I'm like, oh, well, that was awesome. That made me feel good. But really, they're thanking me, and the idea came from over here. So I come over here, and I say, thank you for that. And then they feel good. It is contagious when we are thankful. So I began today with the verse from Revelation, and I want to I say it again to you guys. Revelation 19, verse 1. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia. Salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. Jesus says that we are to pray God's will here on earth as it is in heaven. And if in heaven there is a great voice of many people proclaiming thanks to Jesus, then let's make that the reality here. We're going to do a little bit of, of, a, of a call and response here. So I'm going to say a statement and then I want you guys to respond with hallelujah. So what I want you to remember in that is what you're saying is praise be to God. That is what you are saying. So God, be praised in my marriage and our children. God, be praised in my career. God, be praised in my future and my plans. God, be praised in my suffering and in my healing. God, be praised in our politics. God, be praised in my accomplishments and my shortcomings. God, be praised in my deepest sorrows and greatest joys. God, be praised in my relationships. God, be praised in our communities. God, be praised in my repentance. God, be praised in my words. God, be praised. So in October of this year, Dustin Hopkins, um, who is a, a kicker for the L.A. Chargers, uh, was, was sent into the game to do a field goal. And he got into the game, and he kicked the field goal. He made it, but you could tell that he, got, he had kind of trashed his hamstring in the process. But the thing is, the L.A. Chargers didn't have another field goal kicker at the time. And so they had two more field goals that needed to be attempted in regular time play. And so he was brought out. But each time he was brought out, they wrapped his leg and they got him out there. And he would kick the ball 
And then he would kind of fall over. You could tell he was in a ton of pain. And then in, the game went into overtime, and it came down to him having to kick another field goal. He came out. He kicked it. He made it. They won the game. He was the hero. So afterwards, he was being interviewed by one of the local stations, and they asked him, they said, man, that was like an incredible game, and like, wow, you won, and that was so cool, and you're the hero, but also you're like, you're hurting. Like, how are you feeling? And this is what he said. He said, first, before I directly answer your question, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, I have so much to be, part, to be thankful for apart from football that, yeah, it's, it's nice. If I'm going to play the game, it's nice to win the game, right? But apart from this, there's so much in my life that this is really just such a small thing. And I'm just thankful to Jesus for so many other things. And here's the thing. He wasn't trying to prove anything. He wasn't trying to show off. But he knew where the praise was supposed to go. Colossians 3.17 says this, And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. God be praised in the football game. I'm going to have you bow your heads and close your eyes. When we read through scripture, we see that Jesus healed thousands of people. Yet there are only a handful of instances that are recorded where people came back to personally thank him. Of the 10 lepers that were healed of leprosy, only one came back to thank Jesus. When Jesus was at the house party of a Samaritan, or of a Pharisee, he had offered, he had offered forgiveness, salvation to all of them. And yet the immoral woman is the only one who showed her appreciation. As we look through scripture, it seems that most people who benefited from Jesus' teachings and miracles walked away without ever personally thanking him. This morning, I want to take a, a minute for each of us just to thank God for the things in our life. Just right here quietly, as we sit, let him bring to your mind things that, that you have to be thankful for. Mike Singletary is a famed NFL player and Hall of Famer, and he wears a cross necklace. And in an interview after one game, he was asked, hey, have you, have you always worn that cross necklace? And he answered, no, I, I didn't start wearing the cross until after we won the Super Bowl with the Chicago Bears. And they said, well, what, what was the significance of then? Like, why, why then? And he said, you know what? I had climbed a ladder. I had gotten to the top. I had reached success, and there was nothing there. And he said, you know what? I had climbed the wrong ladder up against the wrong building. And he had a choice in that moment. He could have said, you know what? I'm just going to keep climbing this ladder. I'll just keep chasing that same thing. But instead, what he did is he took down his ladder. He moved it to the person of Jesus Christ. He put his ladder against the building of Jesus Christ, and he started climbing that ladder. And here's the thing. 
Every single one of us has hopes and dreams. Every one of us has plans for our future. We have things we want to achieve, things we want to accomplish, and that's okay. But the ladder of our life, the place we are climbing to, needs to be on the person of Jesus Christ. So what about you? Where is your ladder leaning? If I were to be honest, had somebody asked me this question, I would have wanted to say something really holy, but it probably would have been something like Mike, Mike Singletary. It probably would have been a game or a shot at being known or an accomplishment for myself, my kids, or Samuel. But I now know that it needs to be on becoming more like Jesus, on growing in my character to represent him well. You lean that ladder against the person of Jesus and you will see as you climb this scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Here's the thing. Without Jesus, you still get the benefits of the principles God has put in place this side of heaven. Gratitude will still help you be healthier. It will still help you feel more content and optimistic because God's principles are that strong. But nothing, not even gratitude, apart from Jesus can earn you heaven. The benefits of heaven are reserved for those who have given all they are to Jesus. And so if you're here today and you have not made that decision, you have not said that I hand everything that I am over to Jesus, all my hopes, all my dreams, then I'm going to give you that opportunity today. Because here's the thing, we could get up here and preach in and out every single weekend, but if you are not giving your life to Jesus, it all means nothing. So I'm going to ask you today, if you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you want to do so, go ahead and raise your hand. We'll pray a prayer all together. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. And we are thankful, God. We are thankful for the sacrifice of your Son. We are thankful for the opportunity to gather and glorify your name. Father, we are thankful for the opportunity to become more and more like you, that we are not stuck in our sin, that we are not stuck where we are right now, Father, but that we can take each step looking more like you, representing you better, shining your light to the world. We thank you for all these things. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.